Although we both identify as Roman Catholic, our aim is not to convert or convince. We have no official affiliation with any religious body and present here only our own interpretations and opinions of these stories. We understand and expect that some listeners may not have spiritual belief in certain aspects of these events, but we hope you find value in them as historical narratives which are inextricably tied to the times, places, cultures, and spiritual beliefs of the people who lived and retold them. Due to age and variable documentation practices, we cannot guarantee the historical accuracy of these stories. and welcome to A Martyr and a Monk. That's Victoria. And that's Christina. Today we're going to talk about St. Augustine of Canterbury. Oh. Uh, so, uh, I've had kind of a panicked week, so I picked a saint that I know some stuff about. <laughs> yeah, no problem. <laughs> didn't have to learn literally everything from scratch. That's um, good. And then also, our parents were visiting me last week, and we learned a lot about St. Augustine while they were here, so. Mm. Okay. Yeah. You're catching up with the rest of us. Okay, great. I was not there, so (laughs) I need to be filled in. Okay, so (laughs) St. Augustine, um, he was born probably in the early 6th century, so the early 500s. Oh, it's a guy. It is a guy. Okay. Uh, But they don't know when exactly because early 500s. Yeah. Uh, And probably in Italy, but again, don't know exactly because early 500s. He was born Uh, in Italy, but he's Augustine of Canterbury. Yes. Well, he was probably born in Italy. He might not have been. He wasn't born in Canterbury, but he might not have been born in Italy either. <laughs> okay. okay. Gotcha. Uh, so since they don't, he was alive such a long time ago, they don't really know anything at all about his childhood. So we jump straight to exciting times. Mm. You just Great. go straight to it. Um, okay. So I'm going to hit you with some like background history stuff. Okay. Uh, because I'm all about the fun history stuff. Yes. Um, and you are not. And I... So... It's not that I'm not into it. I just have no concept of time, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I've gathered. Okay. So, here's some concept of time for you. Great! Um, okay, so the island of Britain, which mm-hmm. is now the United Kingdom... Yes. Is, ...was originally populated by, like, a Celtic group... In you know super ancient Stone Age times, yes, um, and they uh, get invaded by the Romans in 43 A.D. Right, because the Romans expand and that's what they do. So they have arrived in 43 A.D. Wait, hang on. To- yes, who are the Britons? They're just the Celtic, the Celtic people who were here first. Yeah, Britons with an O right. are the people who yes. were here first. The Celts, the Britons. Yeah. Yes, I watched a Nova recently about one of those things and. Yeah, like the people Turns who built Stonehenge and stuff. Yeah, yeah they were the, the Britons. Well, okay. not just the Britons. There's actually a whole bunch of different little tribes that all have different names. But one of yeah. them is the Britons with the O. Also okay. the Picts. They're the Scotland natives. Ooh. Okay. Um, anyway. Gotcha. Romans arrive, 43 yes. AD. 
Mm-hmm. And a bunch of Britons throw, uh, paint their faces blue and throw spears down at them off the cliffs of Dover. Yes. Exciting times. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so then the Romans are just in Britain doing Roman stuff for a while, um, for like a couple hundred years. Uh, Constantine, the emperor of Rome, converts yes. himself to Christianity, right? He's the yes. first one in the early 300s. Okay. Um, so from... So from 43 AD to three, early 300, there's no Christians really uh, in Britain. Okay, it's just Romans hanging out. Yeah, it's just Romans doing Roman stuff. Yeah. So then once uh, Constantine converts in the early 300s, uh, various Christians start to like drift into Britain, right? Because it's right. more accepted in the Roman Empire. Yep. Um, and then the Roman Empire converts officially, like it takes this Christianity as the state religion in 380. Okay, so they okay. arrived in 43, it's now yes. 380, they finally, like, fully Christian, like, they're doing it. It's been a while, but yes. And, yeah, it's okay. been a while. <laughs> um, almost, like, right around the exact same time that the Empire converts officially to Christianity, Rome decides to pull out of England. Like, they've decided okay. it's it's too draining on their resources and that there's just some tiny little island and they don't care anymore. It's not a great place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so they're bailing. Okay. Um, in the late 300s, so they convert to Christianity in 380. Okay. Late 300s, they are pulling out of Britain, mm-hmm. and their, like, final official withdrawal is usually given as, like, 400 or 410. Okay. So they arrive in 43, by, like, 410, they are pieced out. Okay. Got it. Okay. So they just left the Britons there, or they left Romans there? No, I think most of the Romans left, so they just leave the Britons there. Okay. Um... So some of the Britons they leave behind are Christian because they like they did convert some people yeah while they right. were here but then they pretty much immediately peaced out so it never like fully spread across Britain yeah. so there's just like a couple of little places that still have Christians and everyone else as soon as the Romans leave just peace back into paganism they're just gotcha. like we're not doing that anymore yeah. <laughs> just go back to shit. what they were doing before the Romans turned up yeah. Um, and then very, very soon after the Romans leave, the Anglo-Saxons start to arrive in England. Right. Yes. Uh, and they are from uh, the like European continent, from like yes. uh, Germany kind of area, like Germany, France, sort of north, kinda, right? uh, more like Germany, Belgium. Yeah, okay. maybe Belgium. Might be Denmark. I'm not really sure which one is the little sticky up one that I'm thinking of, but okay. it's like the sort of north central bit of right. Europe on the North Sea. Yes. Uh, okay. So they start to come across and settle in Britain pretty much immediately. And they have like formalized control of Britain by the mid 500s. So a little over 100 years after they start to arrive and after the Romans have left. So the Britons are now being put down by the Anglo Saxons yes. <laughs> instead of the Romans. The Anglo Saxons are not Roman though. No, they're just like, they're like Germanic. Were they ever part of the Roman Empire? Uh, they were, so, like, Gaul, which I think most people have probably heard of, was like France, that the Romans were putting down Gaul, right? Like, Asterix is a Gaul, a Gaulish guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, parts of the... Parts of Gaul were in what we now think of as Germany, and there were, like, other groups of people who were, like... Kind of Roman, but also, like, just irritating Rome generally, like the Britons were. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they're up there. So they're not Romans. They're like... Okay. They're their own thing at this time. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. And then they move into England when the Romans leave. Yeah. Uh, so the Anglo-Saxons, uh, I think, are probably what most 
people who aren't super familiar with English history would think of as uh, like what was ancient England like because they set up the kingdoms that everyone's heard of like um, Sussex and Essex and Wessex and like yeah. the kind of stuff you would see in like a Viking TV show. Um, like that's the Anglo-Saxons who do all that stuff. That yes. stuff, I've literally just realized when you said all three of those, that's just east, south, yes, and is. west. Is there There's a also a north one, but it's not Nessex or anything. No, it's not. It's Northumbria. Um, <laughs> Can't uh, follow also, a pattern. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Also, the east one is actually technically called East Anglia, not Essex at this point. Oh, no, there oh. is an Essex too. And an East Anglia, which is confusing. Uh, um, okay. And there's a Mercia. Middle? Uh, yeah, maybe. And a Kent, okay. which is not directional, but yeah. did exist at the time. Okay. <laughs> Just- all right. <laughs> so okay. they set up all this stuff, which I think is like, if you're watching a Viking show, that's what's happening. Yes. The kingdom of Mercia is doing something to the kingdom of somebody or else. And that's Anglo-Saxons. Okay. So uh, Anglo-Saxons are not Christians either. Right. Because they never got converted by the Romans either. So they're just pagan, whatever they are. Mm -hmm. So when they arrive and take over, pretty much everyone that they have control over just goes back to being a pagan because what else would they do? I assume they're probably different flavors of pagan, but yeah, they are. I guess, but everyone just everyone just ignores what the Romans told them to do. Basically, okay, Um, (laughs) they go back to their own thing. Yeah, Uh, there are a couple of places in England where the uh, like native Britons keep being Christian, like they never convert back to paganism. Okay, Um, but they're the minority. Yeah, they're definitely the minority, okay. and they're mostly in, like, the far north and the far west, where the mm. Anglo-Saxons never have as much power. Ah, okay. So the Anglo-Saxons control, like, sort of mainland England, but then there's, like, little peninsula bits, like Cornwall. Yeah. is still controlled by the uh, the Britons, and some of them are still Christian, because they never gave up. Okay. Okay, so, when we get to Augustine, that's what's happening in England. They're being ruled by the Anglo-Saxons, most of the people are pagan, there's, like, pretty solid, like, kingdom consolidation happening, but there are some random Britons who are still Christian. <laughs> yes. Great. I have a question. Okay, so yes. um, when they do, like, 23andMe genetic stuff, mm-hmm. is the, like, Britain versus Anglo-Saxon one of the things that they can tell? It is one of people? the things that they can tell, yeah. So then we get to Augustine. So that's all the stuff that's happening. And it is all important to know that like just some of the Britons are Christian and everyone else is pagan and Anglo-Saxon. It is important. Okay. So 595 AD, the Romans have been gone for almost 200 years. Uh, The Anglo-Saxons have been in charge for at least 50 years, probably more like 100 Pope Gregory I decides that the Anglo-Saxons need to be Christian because they're not, and he thinks that they should control England again. Okay. Because they lost it when the Romans left. Yes. So he uh, decides that he's going to send a whole mission, like a little congregation of guys to go reconvert the Anglo-Saxons. Hmm. Um, so at this time, Kent, which is, uh, it's now a county of England, but used to be its own kingdom, like its own Anglo-Saxon kingdom. Right. Kent was ruled by a guy called King Ethelbert. Good name. Um, and yep, a good solid Anglo-Saxon name. Uh, and King. Oh, it's also spelled with one of those A E's stuck together at the front. Yeah, Ethelbert. Yep. <laughs> uh, so he is married uh, to an Anglo-Saxon. Um, oh no, he's not. He is an Anglo-Saxon. He's married yes. to a Frank. Ooh. So somebody from what is now France. Yes. 
Uh, and she was a princess. She's a Frankish princess. Uh, she was also Christian uh, because okay. the Romans had more of an influence in France. Yes. Uh, and her name is Bertha, which is not as great of a name. <laughs> not <good>. No. <laughs> That's uh, like so- already an Anglo-Saxonized French name. I know, it's weird. Uh, Anyway. (laughs) So, yeah, Bertha. Uh, So Bertha's father, uh, like I said, was the king of France. Well, the the Franks, which isn't exactly the same as France, but like the France area. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the conditions for her to marry King Ethelbert, who is a pagan, um, was that Bertha doesn't have to convert. Like, she can stay a Christian. um, And she brings a Frankish bishop with her when she goes to Kent to get married. Okay. And Ethelbert um, was okay with that? Yeah. Ethelbert oh. apparently does not care. All right. <laughs> He's like, cool. do whatever you want. Yeah. You're not hurting anybody. Whatever. Nobody gives a shit. He does let this bishop that she brings with her uh, restore the ruins of a Roman church in Canterbury. So they do have like a Christian church in Canterbury. Ethelbert doesn't use it because he's still a pagan. I think all of the people are still pagan, so it's just Bertha and this one bishop in this church. Gosh. (laughs) But whatever. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Okay. Um, So there's kind of like an un... like a disparity in history. Um, And some people think that because Bertha has such a strong influence on King Ethelbert Mm -hmm. that he's kind of like feeling like maybe he should convert. Like, he's, like, considering it because, you know, his wife is Christian and he's, like, into it, kind of. And okay. he he maybe asks Pope Gregory to send a mission to help, like, teach. Mm-hmm. So it's possible he invited them, but it's also possible that the Pope just thought that this would be a powerful yes. area to control. And it's unrelated that Ethelbert is married to a Christian. It's not really clear. I think it's unlikely that he requested Yeah, I think it's it. unlikely, too. I don't think people request... Um, invasions that often i so, don't think he cared <laughs> no i don't think he, he doesn't seem like he seems nice enough but he doesn't seem like super invested in it right yeah um uh so at this time kent which is the kingdom he rules uh is like a major power in britain it's one of the like bigger of the little kingdoms um part of the reason that they are so strong is because they are uh since they sit on the southeast coast of the country they like are on the channel you know oh yeah so they have easy trade access to the continent yes uh, so they have a really strong trade relationship with the Franks, which is how they ended up with Bertha, who's a Frankish princess. Right. Um, but the Franks, uh, <laughs> through a complicated a complicated historical backstabby oh. thing, kind of feel like they have the right to rule Kent. What? <laughs> In what world does that make sense? <laughs> you know, it's just like somebody's grandfather's grandfather was the oh. younger brother of the, you know, something okay. like someone, one of those. It's like... Some air thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So they feel like they should really be ruling Kent. And then they've got their princesses over there and is like, got the ear of the king. And they're like, we should really be in charge of Kent. Okay. Wait, quick question. Yes. Is Kent the county that London is in? No. So London is its own county because it's so, yeah, ginormous and huge and all encompassing. Uh, But Kent does touch London. Was so it, Kent- parts of what is now London used to be part of Kent. Okay. So Kent was basically like butting up against the river and it had like the coastline and... Yeah. yeah. So I live in Kent. Ah. Yes. Uh, so like everything from where we are, which is in like kind of the corner of London down to the coast yeah. on both sides is Kent. Okay. It's, it's known as the Garden of England. Kent? It's very pretty. Yes. Oh, it's very okay. pretty. Weird. <laughs> yep. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So... 
Gregory the first, the Pope, is going to send this mission to try to convert the uh, Anglo-Saxons in England, uh-huh. uh, and he chooses Augustine to be their leader. Mm. Um, it's not really clear why he chose Augustine, because like I said, we don't really know anything about Augustine before this mission. So like, we don't know if he was an advisor or if he was related to the Pope somehow, or... He's young and disposable. Yeah, maybe. Um, it does seem like he wasn't I mean, a random selection because yeah. Gregory the First, the Pope, before he got elected Pope, was the abbot of this little monastery in Rome. Oh. So when he gets elected Pope, he's still technically the abbot of this monastery, but he can't right. be like running it anymore because he's got bigger things to do. He's the Pope. Uh, so like, yeah. So like day to day running of this monastery transfers to uh, the prior of the abbot of the monastery, which is like the next step down right. from the abbot. Yeah. And the prior was Augustine. Okay. So they definitely knew each other. Yes. But like, don't know if Augustine had any particularly helpful skills or if it was just some guy that the Pope knew. Yeah. <laughs> don't know. Yeah. I kind of wonder because yeah. like, I mean, I guess he was he was kind of high up because he's uh, now in control of a monastery in Rome. But also, like, given how the last time they were there went, uh, they might not want to send somebody too important. Yeah, maybe. Because <laughs> it he might, might be, not go uh, well. <laughs> yeah, they might just be like, it's fine if you die. Yeah. Uh, which They uh, won't say that, fair, but... Yeah, to be fair, Augustine was probably aware that he was expendable. Um, because obviously to get from Rome to England, it's not just as simple as sailing across the channel. Like first right. you have to walk from Rome to the North coast of you like, get Germany sick or France. On the way. Yeah. It's yeah. not a great time. Uh, so they leave Rome and within like two months, like immediately, um, all the monks that went with this with Augustine and this little entourage, uh, all the Frankish peoples that they like meet on the way mm-hmm. are like, this is too hard. You're all going to die. This is a terrible plan. You should go home. Uh-oh. And it's just telling them about, like, the horrors of, like, oh, you're definitely going to get caught in a thunderstorm on the channel and all drown and, like... Wolves! The Britons are going to kill you as soon as you get there and everything oh, is gosh. terrible and you should, this is a bad idea. Oh, no. Uh, so <laughs> they... And the little group of monks immediately sends Augustine back to Rome to ask if they can give up, please, and come home. Ha! <laughs> <And> <laughs> Pope Gregory is like, no, of course not. Oh my gosh. Jeez. <laughs> so then Augustine goes back and meets his friends. Oh no. Yeah, so Augustine Yikes. maybe was expendable because uh, everyone mm. seemed to think this was a real yes. bad idea. <laughs> um, but so on their way from Rome up to the coast um, in France, they are helped out a lot by the Franks who are controlling this, you know, France. Yeah. Um, and the Franks, like we said, are Christians, so they're like buddies with the Pope and yes. pro pro this. Um, so they're not going to kill the, Franks, the monks on the way. No, the Franks aren't going to kill the monks. Right. The Franks think that they're going to die as soon as they get on the water. Right. And that this is a bad plan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the Franks, like, help them out and, like, you know, give them food and places to stay and interpreters and, right. you know, they are generally helpful and, like, cooperative. Makes sense. Um. They also were hoping that um, when the group of monks get to England and meet with Ethelbert, that they that he wouldn't mistreat them if they were like buddies with the Franks, because the Franks are his major trade partner and his wife is a Frank. So they thought if the Franks were pro-Augustine, that Ethelbert would also be pro-Augustine, or at the very least, not just murder Augustine immediately. Immediately, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Like, give us like five minutes to talk this out, please. Yeah. Yeah. Please don't just shoot me in an arrow while I'm still in my little canoe on the right. water. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the Franks, probably, they think now, were probably being so helpful, not because they really care about uh, converting the Britons to Christianity, right. but just because they have this weird thing where they feel like they should rule Kent. <laughs> and they think that if they can convert Kent to Christianity, it will help them to take power in Kent. So that's why the Franks Petty. are being helpful. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, so the mission was Augustine. He was the leader. And then about 40 other people who were mostly monks, but they weren't all monks. There were a couple of other random guys. Uh, and then they also picked up a couple of rando Franks on the way, mostly interpreters for Britain. Okay. So that's who's with these this group. We never really hear about any of them except for Augustine, but there is like a decent sized entourage. Okay. Are doing this thing. Yep. So all of the horrible stories they found, they heard about drowning in the channel. None of that comes true. It seems mm. like it's totally easy. They sail across the channel. No big deal. I mean, people swim across the channel. So I know the channel's not that, not that big. And you if it's a, a nice boat. day, I think it'd probably take like two hours. Right. Anyway. Probably fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's fine. So they just, they get through France because the Franks are helping them at easy peasy. And then they yeah. just easily sail into England. Right. So. Uh, they left in like May or June of 595. They left Rome. Uh, okay. And then by the middle of 597, they landed in England. So it takes about a year, just over a year. Okay. That's not to bad. Walk up through France. Yeah, it's not terrible. Especially since they stopped and Augustine and then came sent Augustine back home. Yeah. And yeah. then <laughs> went back again. <laughs> to be to fair, France, they did so. that after like a month, maybe, of travel. They might not even have been out of Italy yet. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Italy didn't exist at the time, but like yeah. they can't have been that far from Rome when he did that. Uh, anyway. Okay. So they land in a place called the Isle of Thanet, uh, which is on the southeast coast of England. Okay. Uh, and I have some fun facts about the Isle of Thanet because mm. I learned about them last week with our parents and they were really exciting facts and I want to share them with you, even though they're not really relevant. Delightful. Okay. It sets the <laughs> so, scene. Yes. So the Isle of Thanet okay. is called an isle yes. because it used to be an island. It's hmm. not anymore. But okay. it did. It, when Augustine was there, it was an island. Um, it used to be. higher? Uh, no, actually. So the channel, the like strip of water that used to separate this blob of land from the rest of England. Uh-huh. Uh, is called the Wansom Channel. Okay. Um, and it was there for a long, long time. And then it didn't dry up until like the mid 1500s. Weird. Yeah. So there are like, like big ships were sailing up this channel towards London. And like, there's a city, the city of Sandwich, of Sandwich fame, (laughs) um, is like, historically was one of the biggest ports in England, but it's not on the ocean now. And people are always like, why is it? Yeah. Well, how could it be a port city if it's not on the ocean? It's because it used to be on this channel. Mm. And the channel's gone now. And so that's now a nice. Like this weird, sad little sandwich with no, yeah. no ports. <laughs> yeah. It makes, that does make sense because, uh, like, having an island protecting, like, a little kind of bay thing mm-hmm. is good for portness. It's, it's a big area. Like, it's not like a tiny little, like, we can yeah. walk across it in a couple of hours. Yeah. Like, it's a, it's like a decent. A decently big area. So uh, it used to be this island. Do geologists know why? It basically just filled with silt. Like the currents just brought in gunk yeah. and it got shallower and shallower and shallower until it became impassable and then the farmers dumped some more dirt on the top so they could plow it. Weird. 
Yep. So it was That's like crazy. into the 1500s, it was still passable. Huh. Okay. So it's like pretty recently, it was still yeah. an island kind of. Um, mm-hmm. And then another fun fact. Um, this is uh, a direct quote from the Wikipedia page. Ha. Okay. Uh, so something, something, something. Uh, the channel dries up at around 1500. Quote. Although it reappeared in the North Sea flood of 1953 and briefly made the Isle of Thanet an island again. So there was a huge flood in 1953 because there was a big storm. Yeah, Yeah. 1953. There was a big storm on the North Sea. It caused this massive, really, really devastating flood in England and uh, parts of Europe. And when that happened, because the bit that used to be underwater, no, just because it used to be underwater, it's a little lower Uh, than everything else because it never filled all the way like up to ground level. Uh And so it just flooded again. And so for a little bit, the Isle of Thanet was an island again. Amazing. <laughs> Which I think is excellent. I mean, I think a lot of people died and it was really devastating. Yes. But I'm really glad that the Isle of Thanet was briefly That's an island crazy. again. Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, huh. So okay. Augustine lands in this island. Um, mm-hmm. And interestingly, the little village in England that claims to be the place where Augustine landed, like there's a historical marker and it's like, Augustine landed here in 597, whatever, is the same little village that has the historical marker for the place where the Anglo-Saxons landed. Ooh. 200 years before. Interesting. They're like a two minute drive apart. There's a little historical marker for the Anglo-Saxons and there's a little historical marker for so is this, Augustine. Is this island just kind of like Maybe not necessarily the southernmost bit, but when you're sailing across, apparently, like, just yeah, <laughs> miscellaneously, you're just like, ah, there's some land. Let's go to that yeah, one. Maybe I mean maybe that's why Sandwich was such a big port. Maybe there's something about the currents that you like kind of end up here. You just kind of end up here, and you're just like, there's land. Because it's not even the closest that. point. I don't think. I think yeah. there are closer places, but it is. Maybe it's. Currents, I don't know. Yeah. Apparently, apparently, yeah. it's a good place to land. They have a, a lovely Viking boat that marks oh. the place where the Anglo-Saxons arrived. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Okay, so he lands on the Isle of Thanet, 597. Uh, Ethelbert politely does not shoot him with an arrow while he is still in his boat. Delightful. Um, and instead, uh, like, comes out to meet him and they have a little chat. Well, and wait. nobody dies. Surely Ethelbert is somewhere else. Surely he's not on Thanet. Uh, it seemed like he knew they were- Well, no, he- So Canterbury- Canterbury might be in the Isle of Thanet. And that's like his capital. Right. If it's not in the Isle of Thanet, it's like right across the little river, the little mm-hmm. channel. Okay. So he's nearby. And I also think he knew they were coming because it took them a year to walk through France. And he yeah. has like pretty regular contact with the Franks. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I okay. think he was like generally aware that these people right. were coming. Yeah. Uh, so he turns up and they chat and he does not shoot them with an arrow. Good. Which is very polite. Um, so he lets them come and settle in Canterbury, which is his capital, like I said. Uh, which isn't that far away. Um, And then apparently he is converted shortly after, like maybe within the matter of weeks, Hmm. maybe within like a couple of months. It seems that he's definitely converted at least a year later, but it seems like probably much sooner than that. Faster. But nobody's really sure because they didn't write well. They did write it down, but then they lost all the records. So, (laughs) but he like, he converts pretty quickly, which does kind of lend some credence to the idea that maybe he invited them because he was already like, "Mm, might convert, be like my wife. I'm down with this. Or again, maybe he just doesn't care. And they were like, the monks are like, you should convert. And he's like, okay. Yeah, sure. Maybe stop telling me about to be this. like the Franks, because just to yeah. buddy up with the Franks some more. Because right. yeah, I don't know. Maybe um, he seems like a chill dude. Uh, he does not seem like he is 
passionate. He just seems kind of chill. <laughs> okay. About everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, conversions, like, just seem to generally go very smoothly. Um, uh, by the end of the first year of their Augustine's first year in England, uh, there are records of, like, like, tens of thousands of people have been baptized. It's probably an exaggeration, but, like, still... A lot. Well, and there weren't as many people there as there are now. So yeah. So in some of the other stories, we have had mentions of like mass baptisms. Yeah, you just get like a bunch of people, and you're like, Congrats. you just do it in the river. Yeah, you're all baptized. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it seems like within a year, they've got like thousands and thousands of people have been baptized. Uh, by the end of that first year, uh, the Pope Gregory the First is writing letters, um, not just to Bertha, because she was Christian, he's kind of always been writing letters to her, but now he's writing them directly to Ethelbert too, and calling him things like my son and my brother. So it seems like... Augustine is? No, the Pope oh, is writing letters okay. to Okay, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, okay. no. Uh, yeah, Augustine's down the road. Right. Um... <laughs> Okay. Uh, some people think that Aug- or Ethelbert was converted on the 2nd of June, 597, uh, which would be very, very soon after, like within a couple of weeks of Augustine arriving. Yeah. Uh, and it's also Pentecost. So like, mm. maybe that would be a day to do baptisms. But yeah. also maybe people just like the idea that he was baptized on Pentecost, so made it up later. Yeah. Don't know. You know. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he's converted like quickly he's clearly on board and not anti this idea okay um so ethelbert's a christian and then once ethelbert's a christian his whole kingdom kind of just follows Goes. suit yeah apparently yeah yeah uh so at some point augustine is somehow made a bishop date and location unclear he just is a bishop great um and the pope has his bishop seat bishopsy bishop brick bishop brick i think doesn't matter mm. his bishop place uh is canterbury like he's the bishop of canterbury yeah. Maybe that other city. Frankish bishop died, and they're like, "You." Well, the other and bishop he's like, was like, "That's not, not how that works." They're like, "We don't care." <laughs> the other bishop was not the bishop of Canterbury. He oh, was just a, a bishop, bishop from France who now lives in Canterbury. <laughs> yeah. It's just separate, yeah. Maybe. Um, so now, yeah, Augustine is the bishop somehow. Okay. Unknown. Uh, it seems like some people think he maybe was already a bishop when he left Rome. Which is maybe why he was the prior of that place. Yeah. And then just was given control of Canterbury or that he got ordained a bishop en route from Fran- from Italy, like by a Frankish archbishop maybe yeah. ordained him. Or maybe he got ordained in Canterbury to be the bishop of Canterbury. Don't really know. Or maybe they just wrote him a letter. Pope was like, hey. Yeah. Also possible. But somehow <laughs> because, like- Augustine is a bishop now. Okay. <laughs> he is the Bishop of Canterbury. <laughs> the rules seem pretty flexible right there at the yes, beginning. So he's the first Bishop of Canterbury. Right. However, however he got there. Yeah. Somehow. Uh so he uh in Canterbury he founds the monastery of Saints Peter and Paul, mm. which is now appropriately called St. Augustine's Abbey. Nice. Which is just like, you know, your standard medieval monastery. Yeah. Um in a uh, he's writing letters to various important religious people around Europe and claims to have baptized uh, at least 10,000 people. Not bad. Who knows? <laughs> um, some people point out that there were probably some Christians already in Kent because remember the Romans left a couple. Right. So like, did you convert them or were they just already Christians? <laughs> did they forget? <laughs> but Augustine claims to have converted 10,000. So All right. Yeah. That's fine, I guess. Uh, so, and then in uh, 601, 
uh, like two or three years later, okay. um, the Pope sends some more missionaries from Rome to like help, you know? Yes. Um, and fill out this rank of 40 guys. Okay. Uh, and they bring Augustine a pallium, hmm. which apparently is a very big deal. What a pallium that? is that like, uh, it's like a white stole scarfy thing. Mm-hmm. It's not the same as the one that a normal priest wears. It's like more like a scarf, like it got, has fringe sometimes and is more drapey loose. Yeah. And it's only nowadays, it's only worn by the Pope and archbishops. Um, and they're not as sure about in the past, but they think even in the past, it was like a marker of your super duper high up in the church. You're like real okay. important, dude, if you yeah. have a pallium. Is it uh, like so this- similar to... I guess it's not, but during um, adorations, when, when they use that uh, that clothy thing to hold the chalice, yeah. maybe maybe that's like uh, you have your own now. You're so special, you don't have to borrow one. <laughs> yeah, or something like that. You just wear it all the time. Uh, yeah, maybe. Don't know, but it's apparently it's a big deal. It's like a bit. It was very clear that like they brought him a pallium, and it was like symbolic of you're important now. Yes. Um, and Fun. so they think that that maybe was. A, like a signifier that Augustine had been like promoted to archbishop. Huh. I so mean, he might be the archbishop of Canterbury now. Yeah. Apparently he just wandered into England and converted a whole kingdom. Uh, so yeah, he doesn't seem like he did very much. No. He just was there and the king was kind of already on board and the queen was definitely on board. And the people and, maybe don't care that much. <laughs> yeah. And even if they did, like, wander around baptizing people, like, I bet he wasn't. His other 40 guys Yeah, I were. imagine his other 40 guys were doing it. He was it. just controlling. Uh, but, yeah, I know. think it's more just because, like, it's a big deal that, like, the Christians have like, claimed England now. Yeah. So the guy who was in charge just gets to be a, gets to be an archbishop. Well, yeah. He's an and archbishop if, now. Yeah. If the Pope also picked you because he thought you were going to die. And That's then true. suddenly you've done it. He's like, wow. Things are going really great for Pope Gregory. Like, Look at that. This worked out so well. Right. It wasn't yeah. like they didn't didn't have a war. Yeah. Nobody got murdered. Nobody died of some weird disease en route. Everything's fine. Honestly, like the smoothest conversion. <laughs> I know. Probably the ever, whole trip, honestly. The whole trip was seemed like it went very, very smoothly. Yeah. Uh, okay. So um, Augustine is maybe an archbishop now. Maybe that's why he got sent to pallium unclear probably okay. an archbishop cool uh gregory also sends a letter to augustine uh telling him that he should ordain 12 new bishops which is another reason to think that he's probably an archbishop now that he's allowed yes. to yeah you know make probably. more bishops um so he's supposed to make 12 new arch new bishops and then send one of them to york uh which is like sort of north england closer to the border with scotland okay um Spreading so, outside of, outside yeah. So they're of. gonna, they're just gonna expand the yeah. uh, conversion mission thing. Basically, okay. uh, the Pope wants uh, two archbishoprics, like two archbishop cities in England. He wants one at York and one in London. Okay. Uh, I'm not really clear on why he wants one in London because at this time London is like some crap city. Like it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not anyone's capital. It's just like, I don't know why he would want it at London. It wasn't even the Romans' capital. Hmm. So I don't know why the Pope would specifically be like London instead of Canterbury, where they already are. Maybe he was told. Um, yeah, who knows? But he, <laughs> <laughs> so he has decided York and London. Um, but 
Augustine never transfers to London. He's just like, nah. <laughs> nah, I'm okay. Stays in Canterbury. Um, <laughs> they think that he probably, is, he probably wasn't like being a dick and ignoring the Pope. Uh, the reason he didn't move was probably because London wasn't part of Kent, wasn't part of this kingdom. Mm-hmm. It was part of like the next kingdom over called Essex. Yeah. Um, and they weren't Christian yet. So maybe it was just like, not yet, you know, like, we'll <laughs> kind of awkward. We get there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Although they do, con- Essex does convert to Christianity almost immediately. So it seems like it wasn't that big of a deal, but okay. he never goes to London like he's supposed to. He just stays in Canterbury. <laughs> All right. Uh, so he sends the one guy up to York, set up an archbishopric there. Mm-hmm. Um, that is in 601. And then in 604, uh, Augustine sets up two more bishoprics, not archbishoprics, just bishoprics. Um, one okay. in London. So he kind of does what he was supposed to do, but not <laughs> totally, because it was supposed to be an archbishop, not a bishop, but he kind right. of does it. Okay. Uh, and then one in Rochester, which is another like mid-sized city in kent okay um so if you remember when the romans peaced out they did leave some christians behind Mm -hmm. not a ton but there were like some britons stayed christian mostly in the west and in the north where the anglo-saxons never really had a ton of power okay so augustine well the pope really not augustine so much um Decides that these Christians who are still left in the in Wales and in Cornwall should come talk to Augustine. Like, they should meet. They okay. should hang out. Yeah. Do some stuff. Makes sense. Okay. Um, Organize ourselves. Come on. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So the Pope uh, has Augustine invite the bishops of these places, like a couple of bishops, um, to come to Canterbury and they're going to have a chat. Okay. Make a plan. Wait. The bishops that... Augustine made or were there bishops no, these are left, the bishops these are left the, by the bishops Romans. left left oh. by the well they weren't left by the Romans because the Romans have been gone longer than a lifetime right but like the little communities that mm. stayed Christian have been maintaining their like they keep you know they're maintaining themselves that's quite interesting so there's still like a couple of random bishops yeah around. and somehow they're still communicating with Rome huh weird yes so <laughs> so they come huh. over from Cornwall and Wales which are at the other other side of the country where the Britons still have control um and they the Britain bishops do not like Augustine oh no uh, <laughs> oh he so hasn't done seems, anything <laughs> yeah he hasn't but it seems like the the Pope maybe thought that there was like that the Roman organizational structure and hierarchy was stronger like that it had survived better in the West than it actually had. Yeah. And he thought that the bishops would be like, yes, the archbishop is our leader. And like, right. we submit to him. And yes, of yeah. course, we are yeah. part of this hierarchy. Right. Uh, but the bishops are kind of like, mm, no, oh, gosh. I'm going to do that. Uh-oh. So the bishops get together before they reach Canterbury. And they're like, what do we do? Like, do we trust this guy? Do we tell him to go, go home? Like, what do we do? Yeah. And they decide that they are going to like give Augustine a chance. Uh-huh. Like, they're going to be fit, try to be fair and reasonable dudes, because uh-huh. they're men of God or whatever. Good. And they say that, like, if Augustine treats them respectfully, they will, like, hear him out and, like, give okay. him a chance. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> I imagine one of the other problems is, like, I mean, you don't necessarily think of there being cultural diversity in England, but at this time there would have been. Yeah, like, got- the, even these bishops probably were not the same ethnic group as each other, much right. less 
as yeah. the Anglo-Saxons or of Augustine, who is not even an Anglo-Saxon. Right. He's an Italian, probably. Yeah. So you've yeah. got, I mean, it's the same dynamics we hear in like any kind of conversion colonization. So it's not they just also, the conversion yeah, They don't speak problem. the same language. They don't. Yeah. yeah. They're it's, just from like, like even today, these parts of England are like different because yeah. this is where the Britons survived much longer than everywhere else. Yeah. Like these are the places where the Britons yeah. are. So it's it's like also a outsider issue rather than just a, yeah. we don't want to convert or yeah. like we want like King power. Arthur. King yeah. Arthur was king of the Britons with Britons. an O. Yes. And it doesn't mean I'm king of all of England. He means I'm king of these Britons. Yeah. indigenous people who are left, who are squished into the like west right. and south side of the country. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. okay. So the bishops are like, we're going to give him a chance. And if he seems respectful and like willing to listen to us, we will cooperate. They're being very reasonable for the situation. They are being very reasonable. Yes. And Augustine fucks it up immediately. Oh, good. Uh, so they basically, like, Augustine and his advisory dudes, whatever, are sitting in, like, a great hall kind of thing when mm-hmm. the bishops arrive. Okay. And so somebody, like, goes out and meets the bishops and, like, brings them into the great hall yeah. to meet Augustine. Okay. And Augustine doesn't stand up and, like, oh, no. I, I suppose they don't shake hands, but, like, you know, do whatever do you do when thing. you meet new important people. He just yeah. stays sitting. And the bishops are like, fuck you. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I think is a hilarious reason to decide to hate somebody. Oh, um, man. Simpler <laughs> times. Simpler times. Yeah. Uh, so that's the story, anyway, of, like... Uh, why that, the bishops yeah. don't like him um might not be true but historically like looking back now it's probably more to do with what you said that there's just too much cultural difference and if they just like the christianity the britons are practicing has sort of like drifted too far away from the christianity of rome yeah and that like they're kind of the same but they're not mm-hmm. enough the same to just like mesh back together super easy anymore right yeah especially with all the other tensions going on yeah, and it seems like Augustine had maybe no information at all about how the British church had been operating for the last 200 or so years. Like, he didn't know what traditions they used or, like, what they're hiring. He didn't know, like, anything about what they were doing. He just knew that, theoretically, these people they're were Christian. Christian. Yeah. Nominally. No one's checked. No one's looked into it. We're just going to assume that they are. And then they show up and they're like, hmm. They kind of are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're not not Christians. They're just not his kind of Christian. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's not great. Uh, there's also a bit of a problem because Augustine is also obviously like super buddied up with uh, Kent and the Kentish king with Ethelbert. Right. Yeah. And these people are from, they're the not, West. they're not even just from a different kingdom. They're completely outside of Anglo-Saxon control. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they're just like you're all invaders and you yeah. should all go home and get out of our country kind of deal. Right. So they're just like, they don't like him. Mm-hmm. Don't like Augustine. Okay. Augustine Reasonable. has very little, um, like, agency in any of this. Oh, my gosh. Like, don't know what, like, things just seem like they happened to Augustine. <laughs> and there's nothing about what he thought about that or how he made anything happen. It just does. It just happens. He never wrote anything down? <laughs> I mean, he almost certainly did, but... Um, like this whole section of time is like part of the dark ages and it's because they wrote all this stuff down and then like the vikings turn up and burn down their library uh, or like then the normans turn up another hundred years after that and burn all the libraries yeah <laughs> so just i'm sure they were writing stuff down like yeah because this is the kind they, of thing they, they that to, yeah like they're major kingdoms they know how to read and write like yeah. yes they're writing stuff down just something's happened to it and especially like him as an archbishop like even like <laughs> 
half the stories we have about the other saints were written by some random other priest who met them. Yeah, no. So, somebody, I mean, somebody definitely wrote all this down. Yeah. And it's just gone yeah, for whatever gone. reason. Because, yeah. I mean, obviously they didn't know that St. Augustine was going to be a saint, but like, he's an archbishop, so somebody's writing down what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, okay. even like the court, like Ethelbert's court would have been keeping like solid, like tax records and, yeah. you know, historical right. events and stuff. They'd have been yep. writing everything down. Um, okay. It's just gone now. So is the Dark Ages just called the Dark Ages because we lost it all? Uh, Kind of. It's dark in the sense that we don't know what happened because. Isn't, wasn't the Dark Age when that, that minor. Uh, yes, there's also a minor. Age. Yes, an ice age and of like what a volcanic winter or whatever. Yeah. Yes, that did all okay. happen. So all of that together makes it dark in many senses of the word. Many, many interpretations. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, it's dark in a lot of ways. Physically uh, and figuratively. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. Whatever Augustine is doing. It's clearly working because he's converted huge populations without any fighting or really any effort, apparently, at all. Right. <laughs> it just happened. But he's only converted Anglo-Saxons up to this point, right? Yes, but a lot right. of the Britons are still Christian because they never converted when Rome left. They're just doing this other thing. Yeah, I know. But they, up to this point, he's only done like Kent and the other one. Essex. Yes, Essex. he has. So he but hasn't done just... all the Anglo-Saxons yet. Right. But that's mostly just Anglo-Saxons because it's the Anglo-Saxon region. Yeah, it's right. just it's yeah. just Anglo-Saxons. But a lot of the Britons, because there's only two groups left in England, there's Anglo-Saxons and there's Britons. Yeah. So he has to convert the Anglo-Saxons and a lot of the Britons are still Christian because they never stopped being Christian when Rome left. Right. Or at least like sort of Christian. They've drifted. Yeah. <laughs> they're <laughs> christian Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there were some things that uh, we know that Augustine did that does make it seem like he was at least a smart, like a like a good person for this job. Like he was a smart missionary. Okay. Um, so one of the things he did was he made in like an active effort to retain uh, Celtic and Britonic customs. Nice. Like in holidays and stuff. Uh-huh. And so the thing that we always hear about like, oh, Christmas was moved to coincide with whatever, like... Augustine is part of that. Like he was like, instead of just getting rid of your Yule celebration, yeah, in midwinter we're just going to make it line up with Christmas, and now everyone can keep doing their their Yule logs and their Thanks. their stuff, you know, yeah, and it's fine. Um, so do we know that like that's actually because of him, or do we still kind of not entirely sure where those two, like at what time point those two became the same thing? So it definitely happens. In this time period. Okay. Like they, right. they get re, those calendars get reshuffled so that this stuff all yeah. lines up. Okay. Whether or not it was Augustine's idea specifically right. or one of his little entourage. Yeah. Don't know. But, but it during does happen this in this. Yes. It okay. is part of this conversion. Yep. Okay. Wait. So um, did that occur? Cause I know we've got, we've covered some of those like smaller, like Catholic sects that kind of have different rules than mm-hmm. everybody else. Was that kind of what was happening here where they're like, oh, the calendar is different for that group. And then much later, it became all like all of Rome, all yeah. of Catholicism. Or was it right yeah. at the same time? No, I think that it's kind of like just this, like just England Area. is celebrating Christmas and Yuletide at okay. the same time. And everyone else is doing like, yeah, I mean, it kind of doesn't matter when you celebrate Christmas, you know, right. Like, any day is fine. Yeah. As long as you, like, celebrate it in honor and whatever. Do the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter if everyone in the world is doing it at the same time. Yeah. And it might also he be does... early enough. I know we had talked, maybe, I thought we had talked about it at some point, but just, like, 
kind of early on. There's not a whole lot of structure necessarily. Yeah, like people are just top. winging it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there might not be like a consistent count. I mean, we actually found that with uh, the Saint feast days where it's like, mm, yeah, they're yeah. celebrating here over here, that here over here. And like, so uh, yeah, so it must be later that they were like, yeah. Let's we're gonna get to some like okay. yeah, we're gonna get to some like weird regional church rule stuff in yeah. a bit. Okay, but this is yeah, it's possible okay. that it's just England that now does mm-hmm. these weird Anglo-Saxon things. Yeah, and then much uh, later, all of our calendars were merged, and they decided yeah, get what lined was going up. on. But like, it is because like Yule, like Yule tide, Yule logs, like Yule was an Anglo-Saxon sort of Germanic holiday that yeah. was in midwinter. Yep. Um, and that is why everybody now celebrates Christmas in Europe's midwinter. Yep. Because the Romans were like trying to get the Anglo-Saxons and the Germanic people to cooperate. Mm-hmm. And so they co-opted Yule. So like yep. it is, this is why Christmas is when it is. Yep. But whether or not we, that is Augustine's claim to Actual fame. Actual doing? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe okay. not. Somebody thought of it. Somebody started this job. process. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Huh. So Augustine... Seems like he was probably on the older side when he arrived in England. Like, he was oh. not a young man. Interesting. Okay. Because uh, he was already a prior, which takes time, yeah. you know, to, like, work up to that. Uh-huh. Um, and they think he was born in the early 500s, and he arrives in England in 597. So, like, he is not a young man. He might not be 90. Like, he could be, you know, 50. But he is yeah. not... He's not, you know, a 20-year-old, like, gung-ho, let's go sail and see the Britons. Like, 50 he's... is still very old for the 500s, though. Yeah. Uh, so he is probably decently old, like, on the old side when he gets to England. Jeez. Um, so he dies in either 604 or 605, not, not super-duper sure, which is only seven or eight years after they landed in England. Hmm. So he did this very fast. He Yeah, he did it, yeah. Because he converted all of Kent within a year. Damn. Yeah, so. <laughs> That's a lot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so, I guess if you have 40 guys with you. Yeah, I guess you send like, them out and do some stuff. Yeah, it's just like native populations that are not. Yeah, and they would have had the help of the, the bishop that the princess brought with her. Yeah. He'd already been there for 10 years. Right. And I don't think he was, like, converting, but he would have, like, he has spoken the language and, like, yeah. known who to talk to and been able to help, you know. He's part of the court, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, so Augustine dies on probably the 26th of May, either 604 or 605. Causes unknown, but probably old. Probably old. Old and old-timey. Yep. Uh, The combination of the olds. Yep. 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 Uh, Shortly before he dies, he chooses his own successor, um, and they think probably he did that to, like, make sure there was no, um, like... Yeah, like, no infighting after he died, and, like, there yeah. was a clear line of succession. Yeah. Uh, and so he chooses a guy called Lawrence of Canterbury, hmm. um, who was one of the monks that came with him from Rome. Fun. Uh, hopefully so he's, he's younger. Be the next bishop. Uh, yeah, hopefully. Because <laughs> otherwise they're just going to do this again immediately. Yep. Uh, so he is buried in uh, St. Augustine's Church um, in Canterbury. Well, it's called St. Augustine's Church. It used to be uh, Peter, Saints Peter and Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, which is in Canterbury. Uh, and then he was exhumed at least once and moved to a better spot uh, in the church for pilgrims to be able to access his tomb for like venerations and stuff. Interesting. Okay. Yes. So 
attributed miracles. Mm. <laughs> Love uh, those. Attributed miracles, question mark. So he is a very old timey dude. And yes. he is one of these people who is obviously a saint because of his like proselytizing and yeah. his teachings and his, yeah. Yeah. Quadrupling the population of Christians on the planet. Do we know like how quickly? Uh, kind of. Okay. I'll get to that in a minute. All right. So part of the problem they have with his attributed miracles is that he is such an important and famous figure, especially in England, that historians just make shit up oh, for the good. next thousand years. Great. They're like, this sounds like something he would do, and it sounds cool, and it makes a great oh, story, so no. I'm going to put it in this text, and then people aren't going to be sure if it's real or if it's fake. Oh, uh, so there's all kinds of stories that are like, this is a speech he gave, or this is a miracle he performed, and uh, pretty much all of it. Modern historians are like, mm, no, <laughs> this is not from the right time period. Great. This is all made up. Great. Great. Uh, so there's really no like real historical evidence for anything we would consider a miracle. <laughs> Great. Uh, there's also a bit of a problem because I think most people when they hear most uh, like sort of Catholics and Christian people and people who've studied this kind of stuff, when they hear St. Augustine, they think of St. Augustine who wrote a bunch of really famous stuff that is not this St. Augustine. Oh, uh -oh. This is Augustine of Hippo of Canterbury. The famous one who wrote all the stuff for like Augustine super early church doctrine is St. Augustine of Hippo. Yeah. That's the one that and it seems is yes, like that the is Augustinian. Super famous one. Yes. Yeah, that is that one. Yeah. Uh, and it seems like some people maybe did not know that they were two different people. Oh, great. So there's some stuff that is attributed to Augustine of Canterbury that was definitely Augustine of Hippo. Great. <laughs> so it's just, they're doing a real great job. Oh, so attributed man. miracles, none, because all of it's a lie. Yeah. He's a saint because he's, right. you know, expanding and, the missionary work. Yeah. I mean, we don't really know, like, how devout he was, if he was getting, like, visions or something like that, because it was all yeah, lost. Maybe. Maybe that's why been... it was so easy. For, maybe he was doing some real wild miracles, and that was why yeah. it was so easy for him to convert all those people. Maybe, yeah. So that would yeah, be cool, but we just can't because yeah, can't all know. of it was lost because old. Like I said, Augustine is just a guy that floats through the story at the at the whims of others. He has no anything. He has just he has no nobody. agency. He's just like yeah, I'm he's here. just a completely blank slate, just the most generic person. Which is something about Augustine. Certainly not true. But you know, he must have been something if he yeah. did all this stuff. Yeah. Anyway, so his canonization, which you were just asking about. Yes. So this must have come up before because we've done other very old saints. Yes. But this is the first time that it was like, I don't know, super obvious. So okay. he was canonized in a thing called the pre-congregation. Yeah. So before the 10th century... Local bishops were allowed to grant local saints status. So you didn't have to go to the Pope. You didn't have to do the whole big thing. Your local bishop could be like, yes, Greg from down the street, real top-notch dude. He is now St. Greg. We are allowed to pray for him in this area. It kind of makes sense because like, yeah, we still have... Organized at all. We talked about... Um... Which is how like Claire could just be a saint. Or like Hedwig can just be a saint because yeah. their local bishop was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. And no one had to get it approved. And it makes it, it, it leads up into today, like after the, all the stuff in 1960, in the 60s, where um, how the saints are ranked 
can change based on the locality where like most of the world is like just a normal whatever tier saint but like saint patrick is way higher (laughs) in in ireland than than everywhere else um and it changes like how they take precedent on different holy days and stuff like that so Mm -hmm. i guess that's that's like the modern remnant of this fact that the local people said this is important and then the, in a thousand years later somebody in the vatican got yeah. around to being like oh yeah sure they were like i mean i mean it's difficult at that point because that's like 1960s when they took a bunch of bunch of saints out where mm-hmm. we just don't have enough historical evidence right so for the ones that we do have enough historical evidence that they existed at least they might not need miracles which is why a lot of these don't have miracles but because mm-hmm. they've been celebrated for so long in that locality the vatican can't just be like can't nope do it sorry yep. <laughs> take it away because yep. that's not gonna work they're gonna keep doing it so they're like okay we're gonna this is it yeah and it's like you're a person but it's yeah. fine yeah 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 so pre-congregation that's what it's called in the 10th century they like reorganized themselves a little bit and mm-hmm. like decided that there has to be a, like a system right <laughs> we gotta uh, write so this stuff down man. when they yeah so when they did that um, or before they had this new system, you could have your little like local saint and your little local cult, yeah, which could just go on forever as being a little local cult. Mm-hmm. Or some of them did get made universal by the Pope. Like if the Pope found out about it and decided yeah. it was important, he'd be like, "Yes, okay, now it applies to everybody." But he yeah. didn't have to. You could just be local forever. Yep. Uh, which is what Augustine was until he was. Well, he kn- so he doesn't have like a canonization date because he just mm. is. So. Yeah, so do we know at So he all? got, like, formalized sometime after the 10th century. But that's it. Formalized with Rome? Yeah, formalized okay. with Rome sometime after the 10th century. But locally, but somebody he was, was calling a- him a saint before that. And we don't yeah, know how long he after was, his death. Yeah, the local bishop at some point said he was a saint locally. Okay. Maybe immediately, maybe. But we don't know. Don't know. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Uh, so his feast days... Uh, are the 27th of May in uh, Roman Catholic Ordinary Time, um, and then 26th of May in the Anglican and East Orthodox Churches. Gotcha. Uh, which is That's when he died, died, right? Yeah. 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 One of them is the day he died, and the other one is the day after he died. Yeah. Um, he is the patron saint of England, of course. Uh-huh. Um, so there were relics of him for a while. Uh, because like I said, he was in that church and they put him someplace so the pilgrims could come see him. Yes. Um, so he was there for a bit, like 400-ish years. Yeah. Yeah. For a while. Uh, and then the Normans turn up. We talked about the Normans before when we talked about St. Osmond, the French. Yes. So the Normans turn up and they are very pro. Yes. Okay. So the Normans are very pro-Augustine. Don't really know why, but they are like gung-ho about St. Augustine. Possibly because Different. the Franks wanted to conquer Kent through St. Augustine. Didn't actually work, but maybe the Normans feel like he tried. I don't know. Huh. Okay. Because <laughs> the Normans are also French. Have the Franks evolved into the Normans? Or yeah, the Normans pretty much. They just, okay. No, they just, well, I mean, the Normans are kind of a different group, but they're all from France. All right. Well. <laughs> and the Normans are the ones who have power. They're like, the Franks are not a thing so much oh. anymore. Okay. Okay. So they are very pro St. Augustine. When they arrive in 1066, which is 400 years after he's died. Mm-hmm. Um, and Henry I uh, decides that Canterbury should have a six-day fair to commemorate uh, 
one of the times they moved St. Augustine's relics. Is it a fair with an E? Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, and it's like <laughs> one of these things where like you can have indulgences if you like go to the fair and you oh, know, great. do all the stuff. Yeah. You know. And it's you know, a big market town. Fair is a big deal. It makes right. a lot of money. Um, Henry the first, this king who grants this, okay. this Norman king who grants this, yeah. is the same uh, Henry the first who was the fourth son of William the Conqueror, who we talked about before, who went to school with St. Osmond. And we didn't know how they ended up on the fourth son. Oh, yeah. Okay. This is the same person. Weird. Wait, okay. So this king is the king of Normandy or is the king in England? He's the king of England. This is oh, after the Norman okay. Conquest. So they've conquered England. Oh, okay. and he's the king of England yeah, now. Yeah, I got you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was, he was educated by St. Osmond in Salisbury. Super weird. Okay. It all lines up. Everything's connected. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then, you know, he's a really popular English saint. Lots of pilgrims. Lots of fun times, fancy, fancy tomb. Uh, and then in the English Reformation in the mid 1400s, uh, they lose all of it. It all gets destroyed. They lost it. Don't know where it is now. It's gone. His relics. Yes. And his, his fancy old timey tomb. All gone. I just. English Reformation. Yep. Yeah. That's what happens. Uh, so yeah, it's gone now. Uh, the amount of no stuff more- that the human race has just lost <laughs> well yeah i mean they did they did actively destroy it it's not like somebody misplaced oh, okay. it and then forgot where they put it I like you. the english reformation is when the anglican church breaks away and they destroy uh, all the monasteries and that's wait what year is that everything that's much later mid 1400s right okay like a thousand yeah, so it's okay. it's like 800 years after he's died yeah yeah they lose okay. it all right yeah uh, so, huh. in 2012, they reestablished this shrine that got destroyed in the 1400s. I don't know why it took so long uh, to reestablish it, because there are Catholics in England. Yeah. But it <laughs> takes forever. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, in 2012, they reestablish it at the Church of St. Augustine, uh, which is in Ramsgate, the city of Ramsgate, uh, which is near-ish to where Augustine landed. It's right. like one of the big cities yeah. nearest to this little village. Okay. Uh, obviously he's a super duper famous uh, saint in England because he brought Christianity sort of mm-hmm. <laughs> Ish. and so there's just like a lot of stuff named after him like libraries yeah. and schools and I everything. feel like subconsciously I have St. Augustine associated with English yeah maybe like he's a he's a Anglican big deal stuff yeah and especially yeah. in this part of england the southeast kent area yeah um it's just like a lot of a lot of stuff right all the schools <laughs> yeah all the stuff all the churches um so obviously he's locally important in canterbury yeah he was the first bishop of canterbury uh and also just like in kent generally yeah um and then just like a weird a weird fact is that he is sometimes called Austin. I don't like that. I don't either. It That's makes me false. wonder if all of the other things in the world that are named Austin are therefore vicariously named after Augustine. I mean, yeah, maybe. Unless you can prove. I mean, that Austin must have been a name before that, right? I mean, maybe not. It is very early. It's the 500s. I mean, like, Peter was a name before St. Peter, but... Everything named after Peter is definitely named after that St. Saint Saint Peter. Peter. <laughs> so Yeah, maybe. Weird fun fact. I wonder when, because like obviously Austin is a common name now, but I mm-hmm. can't think of like a, you know, like American Revolution aged person 
being named I know, Austin. and we're way before that. <laughs> yeah, they were way before that. I so know. I wonder, like, I kind of wonder it's why like, that It's has probably like that up. thing. There's a word for this. I can't remember now, but there's a, there's like a phenomenon where people, like people who write historical fiction and stuff can't do certain things that are historically accurate because modern people think that they're not historically accurate. Oh. Like there's one, there's a really famous one about how Tiffany was a really, really common name in the Middle Ages. Oh gosh. Yeah. But it sounds like... It doesn't sound like a name from the Middle Ages. Right. So you could accurately name someone in your Middle Ages night book, yeah. Tiffany, and that would be fine and historically accurate, but all your readers would be like, no. This is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe Austin weird. is like that, and it's just like some weird thing that we've got yeah. the wrong, we've put in the wrong place in time. It's like, uh, maybe it was around for a while, but it just kind of naturally drifted out and just didn't come back until recently, last hundred years. And but I mean, because of that, because there's not like a long line of history like that, we just don't. Yeah. Well, I choose to believe that Austin, Texas, is named after Saint Augustine, even though Weird. there's no actual evidence of that. Isn't it named but after? That's what I isn't it? Well, it's named after name. a person named Austin. But then, where like, why would he be called Austin? Like, why? Well, am he I was most Victoria? certainly English. So that actually does make sense. Well, he was like he was Englishish. I mean, English American. I think I he mean, was. It's like, why am I named Victoria? I'm not named after Queen Victoria, but the person I'm named after was named after Queen Victoria. Right. Yeah. So, like, I'm kind of named after Queen Victoria. <laughs> yeah. It's like the, yeah, like degrees of separation. Yeah. So, yeah. Ha. Huh. St. August. St. Augustine of Canterbury, a.k.a. Austin. Um, and then he's also known as the, um, as the apostle to the English. That makes sense. It does, because he... Sort of Christianized this island. According to the first Google result, the name Austin is of English origin and means great magnificent. It's the medieval contracted form of Augustine. There you go. See, it is a medieval name then. I guess, yeah. (laughs) So you could have, you could write a book about a knight and his girlfriend who are named Austin and Tiffany and that would be accurate and fine. (laughs) That's crazy. Uh... Yeah, comes from Augustine. Apparently it was a last name first. Yeah, that checks out. Then became a first name. Oh, guess what? <laughs> it reached its peak in popularity in 1995 to 1997. That checks out. I do know a lot of Austins. Checks out. Overall, Austin has been in the U.S. top ten names for boys five times. Hmm. Yep. Well, so then, yeah, okay. I am right in thinking that Austin, Texas is named after Augustine. I wonder, because there's d- the different spellings of Austin. Mm-hmm. Was it an E versus an I? Yeah. I think that's nothing. That's probably nothing. That's just because people can't spell. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know. That's what I think. So well, yeah. That's fun. Uh, my sources yeah. are lots of Wikipedia pages on all of the things, as always. Augustine of Canterbury, Roman Empire, Britannia, as in the island, not the encyclopedia. Uh, the history of England, the Franks, the late Middle Ages, the Isle of Thanet, the Wansom Channel, Pentecost, Pallium, Lawrence of Canterbury, and canonization. That's too many um, things. And then also, it is too, it's a lot of things. Wikipedia is great, and everyone should support it. Yeah. Uh, also, the Encyclopedia Britannica, uh, and franciscanmedia.org and catholics.org. 
Great but yeah, stuff. now you know all the things that we learned, I learned with mom and dad last Great. week. I feel so included. St. Augustine. You're a welcome. billion miles away. <laughs> yep, you're welcome. <laughs> we went and saw his, uh, they have a lovely, um, in the, I want to say in the late 1800s or maybe the early 1900s, uh, they decided that there should be a fancy marker in the place where he landed yeah. on the coast. Mm-hmm. And so they put up a, like a Celtic, a giant stone Celtic cross mm. that says like on this day in 590, whatever, St. Augustine landed and Christianized the, the island. Good. Yeah. Great. I would like to know more about what the Britonic bishops did. Yeah. And like if they just peaced out and went home when he disrespected them by not standing up. Or if yeah. they hung around and actually did get, like, integrated. It's also kind of... I would be interested in wondering in, like, what they were doing between the Romans and Augustine. It seems like they were just bishoping along. I know, just... but it'd be interesting if we could get their records and just see, mm. like, how much it, it diverged. Be. What decisions were they making? Did they Did they make the decision to move those holidays? Because that would make sense. Because they were there maybe. for way longer. It's possible, yeah, maybe Augustine stole it from them. But yeah. also they weren't Anglo-Saxon and those were Anglo-Saxon holidays. Oh, yeah. Because they would they have had their own Britonic holiday stuff, which presumably would have already started to die out because they right. have been Christians for a while. What? Yeah, different flavors of paganism. That's a problem here. <laughs> yep. Different kinds so, yeah. of pagans. I and mean, it is possible how Christianity got to England. It is this still is, this is how quite possible that the Britons also had a midwinter like solstice. Oh yeah, I think everyone yeah. probably had a midwinter solstice thing. Yeah, so but, like it's that's still why possible. that's why we know like the word Yule still means something to us because yes. Yule died. Yeah, that's where they got Christmas. Well, that's why they put Christmas where they put Christmas. Yeah, yeah. I also thought that maybe that's where Christmas trees came from because that feels. Old and Germanic to me. It was. I thought it wasn't like super looked, common, no. but it's really. I know. I looked it up, and apparently it's midi. It's much later. Oh, it's much later. That, yeah. Yeah. People started doing still Christmas old, trees. but later. Yeah, it's old, but it's not. It's not this. It's not because of this kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's unrelated. Oh. Okay. Well, that was great. Yeah. So now you know all about this blob of a man who, this white friend, nothing of a man who converted England to Christianity. It's really quite interesting that we just got nothing. That just like yeah, nothing, nothing survived. And we just nothing have about him. <laughs> no information. Right. Maybe he didn't even exist. Like maybe he's not even a person. Hey. And he was actually like a team of forty did all of this stuff. Yeah. And maybe Augustine there was no real leader person. or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's possible. I do actually think that Augustine is like definitely the only part of this that is definitely real because they had records from rome because rome stuff didn't right. all get destroyed yeah so like there definitely was a guy named augustine but yeah <laughs> whether or not he did all literally stuff. anything yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yep. funny yep also okay. i don't know i feel like if you get you know 30 miles from rome and you're hearing all these terrible stories about how everything's gonna go wrong yeah and send somebody back would you send your leader or would you send just some guy that's I would send like my fastest youngest guy. Yeah, I wouldn't send the old man. Right. Who it would be a tragedy if he died on route. Right. And he's yeah. supposed to be leading the group, so why would he leave the group of yeah. 39 and let Which makes the me one think go. like Augustine can't be can't all be one person because then why would they send that guy? Unless that part's just wrong. Yeah, it could just that be. That Augustine wrong. ordered somebody to go back and then they came back and they're like, 
gotta keep going. <laughs> the pope says we have to keep going yeah. we're all gonna die <laughs> <laughs> yeah bummer so it's more yeah. likely that augustine sent someone if he was yeah. the leader he sent someone and then that got conflated to augustine went and yep that's probably not true yep because yeah he's he's a nothing of a person and i love great. it okay well thanks so much for listening if you guys would like to support the show please subscribe and share with a friend and tell one friend about it and rate and review if you would like to thanks much thank you very much guys bye see ya